Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. Hey, Casey. Hey. What book are we listening to this week? (laughs) (laughs) We are listening to The Sickness. What? (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) Fuck it up. Do it again. What? Nah, that's not good either. That's so much better than mine. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) It's the worst. Oh, God. That's just like us. That's just like me, especially to try and plan an awesome opening and and fuck it up horribly. We have editing. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, the whole time, whole time I was reading this book, I was like, I can't wait till we start. And we both do the like, wah, wah. There we go. (laughs) Get up, get up, get down with us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just so glad we had the same thought. I'm so, so glad. Me too. And I'm not even really that surprised. I'm just glad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. So the other thing about this book is I looked at the title, or mm-hmm. sorry, I looked at the 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 drawing, graphic, yeah, cover, cover. That's the word I'm looking for. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus H, baby Christ. Just um, keep reaching for those words. Dear God. Okay. Um. So I saw the cover and I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, Cassie's turning into a slug. That's mm-hmm. interesting. <laughs> then only halfway through this book did I realize like. Oh, that's not a slug. I get it. I liked that you went into this with such innocence, though. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, look. Another book where Cassie just turns into a strange non-visual creature. This is great. And then halfway through, you're like, oh, my God, it's a yerk. I mean, on the cover, it's green. And it has, like, weird splotches on it, like, markings. Mm -hmm. So I thought, I literally thought it was some sort of, like slug situation it's it's also got like flippers and antennae yeah it's it's yeah not what i would have initially pictured as a yerk no and not at all what's described even in this book (laughs) also fucking i don't know it kind of goes back to that whole like does the cover of the book give away what happens in the book Mm-hmm. Obviously not for me because I mistaked it for an actual <laughs> slug, but you know, in general, yeah, I don't know, problematic or not. I mean, I, I don't know. At least the tagline was pretty vague. Oh, yeah, what's the tagline? I just put my coffee cup on it. It was Cassie like, is ca- about to make a change for the better. Yeah, like that's nice and vague. Not like, hey, they have a new animorph and he's an asshole, and now we have to take <laughs> him down. Like, thanks. 
<laughs> That's the exact headline I want to see on the book. All of those words. <laughs> How do you like that uh, very, very stylish jacket that she's wearing? Oh, it's great. It's, it's I want it. I'm back. I'm back in the 90s. <laughs> Take me there. Did we talk about the shoes on this podcast? We have, yeah. The goose shoes? Uh, yes. Okay. I, did we or did we just talk about that in real life? I don't know. We don't have to talk about it. I'm just... I thought it would be topical, but... But, yeah, and I knew exactly what you were talking about, and then we found the picture. Yes. And then we were like, suck it, Matt Goo shoes were a thing. They were a thing, and we had them, and they were great. They're my favorite shoes. they still are a thing. Yeah, they're the best shoes. (sighs) The 90s. So good, and so bad for fashion. And how how is it coming back? How are people like mullets back in? Fanny like, packs back in. That's understandable. They are. Did great I yell about that last time? Things. Uh it might have been. I think privately. I did. Because that was the day I went to the mall <laughs> and I was like, oh uh, yeah, overwhelmed by the amount of fanny packs and how many people in real life that don't actually wear them. Yeah, Except not like, like Dwayne the Rock Johnson who does wear them. <laughs> and Elton John. And Elton Sir, John. Sir Elton John, I apologize. That's right. He's knighted. He is the defender of the realm. Should anyone come after the queen, he must go. <laughs> he's got a um, he's got a biopic coming out this year. Yeah, oh yeah, the uh Rocket Man, right? He's Rocket Man. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Cuz biopics about musicians is like apparently the new fad i mean it is and that doesn't even make sense because how many fucking years were they working on that queen movie like a billion like a decade yeah back when sasha Cohen was supposed to be freddie which uh i don't know how i feel about that on the other side of things like you think you would have wanted him or you would not have wanted him? I don't I don't know. I just I can't imagine it anymore. Like back in the day when I heard the casting, I was like, "Oh, okay, I can see it." And now I can't. Yeah. It's I mean, it's hard because Rami Malek did a great job. Yeah. But like the other problem I have is I have such trouble separating Sasha Baron Cohen from Borat that I'm like, oh, eh. <laughs> "My life." <laughs> my life <laughs> uh. or like senior pirelli from sweeney todd yes oh my god he's just such he a character so actor like i can't picture yeah. him necessarily in like a serious role like i'm but sure he'd like, be fine not to disparage yeah. him but he might have done a really good job because he could like really embody the character freddie mercury mm-hmm. but then he might have ruined it i don't know he's also so tall yeah. He's a tall man. Like, normally when they have short actors like Tom Cruise, they put him mm-hmm. on a box to make him look taller. <laughs> <laughs> He's standing on the Sorry. box. I'm putting it on the news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sorry, that made me laugh harder than it should have. Ugh. Oh, okay, right. They put, <laughs> put him on a box. Put him on a box, but you can't really do the opposite unless you put everyone else on a box, and that's just an excess of boxes. <laughs> <laughs> I 
sorry. It just, that's insane. I'm just imagining showing up to work and everybody's pushing their little milk crates around. <laughs> Everybody pick your crate. Do not lose your crate. Always keep track of it. We're going to put them on a box and then put that box on another box <laughs> and then mail it to myself. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Christ's sake. <laughs> How do we get here? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of feel like we got our mojo back, though. Oh, that's good. I mean, yeah. That's my fault. I'm going to take full responsibility for destroying our podcast for the past few weeks. No, 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 no. I, no. I've been in a bad place past few weeks. It's my fault. I've been in, we've both been in some pretty fucking rough patch i mean maybe we'll edit this out later but like i'll just issue a general apology in case we don't saying like it's been a rough few weeks for the both of us so Uh we're sorry if anything sounded depressing yeah we still love animorphs and love talking about it it's just the the details of our real life have leaked into our vocal intonations i think maybe Yeah. yeah yeah in our general energy level Yeah, and also last episode when we were recording, I was trying to be quiet because I was recording in a hotel and I wasn't sure how much people could hear me. (laughs) So I was like, as opposed to that other time we recorded in a hotel with two other people and we were loud as fuck, probably. Well, that's fair because the people next to us were loud as fuck too and kept banging on the door between our rooms. Oh yeah, that's true. And trying to open it, I was like, why? Yeah. So I didn't feel that bad about that time, but <laughs> this time I was like, oh God, what if people, and also I had said I was there on business, which I was, but um, there's just something about like, hi, I'm a business person. Let me into your business hotel. I'm going to go talk about Animorphs. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, a weird, it's just weird. Oh God. Uh, I was saying something last night too, to like my family. They were like, here, we'll have some sort of dinner thing. And I was like, that's great. I'm like, but I have to leave early because I have to go read a children's book. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Uh, I was I was trying to explain my podcast to my physical therapist the other day. And yeah. like for the past several weeks, I've been trying to figure out how old he is. And I finally, through Animorphs, wheedled away that he is almost 40. Okay. So. Did he know it or he had no idea? He had no idea. Okay. So... Is he going to listen? Should we be careful about trash talking him? No, he probably won't listen. <laughs> I, I like, so um, I have been seeing family that I, I don't normally see recently. And my aunt was saying something. I, I don't know how it came up, but the podcast came up one night when we were talking. And she was like, yeah, I listened to it for a while. And she goes, I had no idea what you guys were talking about. And I almost like, I almost started yelling. I was like, it's not for you. (laughs) Instead, I was like, oh, thanks for listening, I guess. Yeah, it's it's not for everybody. No, but that's it's for us at the end of the day. Yep. Like we don't we don't make any money or anything off of <laughs> yeah. this. So it's really for us. Yup. Uh, Jesus Christ. That being said, should we get started with wah, wah? Yes. <laughs> All right. 
All right, let me let me start going through here um, to what is quite possibly my favorite intro to any book ever. Okay. I think. It's up there. It's up there. Uh, so Cassie introduces herself. We recap that one time she may have torn out a hork throat after Jake ordered them to retreat, but also she doesn't know if it was before or after. So just in case we're setting this up to be like, hey, by the way... This is the book that we're going to reference everything that happened in book 19. So, yes. just if we, you know, just want to set that, establish that first thing. Which, I thought it was weird to bring up the whole hork throat tearing out situation. But then again, I forgot that that was Aftran's brother. Mm-hmm. Aftran's yeah. little brother. My little brother. He's just dead now. <laughs> He's super <laughs> dead. <laughs> <laughs> he's like super dead. <laughs> he's like super dead. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, uh da, da, da. we find out about the Yerks, which is cool because Cassie doesn't think they're pure evil. So like even in the intro we're like, well, yeah, they're evil, but some are good and they're all individuals and blah blah blah. Um and then also we talk about how they're helpless slugs and how she feels for them because they can't see and they can't hear and you know, they have that like echolocation but like really to experience freedom they have to take over a host body and then cassie goes through this whole wrestling with her internal self over whether or not she's a nice person so she thinks she's not uh all of these thoughts are interrupted by rachel who is asking her if she were put on a desert island would she bring baby spice or marco (laughs) (laughs) i mean (laughs) what She's like, two annoying people. You know the island game. Uh, who would you pick? I don't know. I you know, I feel like I know Marco pretty well. I don't know Baby Spice very well. Um, I mean, was this supposed <laughs> to be like a really tough choice? Like, oh, they're both uh-huh. really obnoxious? Yes. I, yeah. I thought, I thought Ginger Spice was supposed to be the obnoxious one. Jerry Hallowell? How dare you? I don't know. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They're they're all like fan. Oh, me too. Are you kidding me? Mel Mel C is the best. Mel C fucking shit. And yeah. the Barbie doll. I see fucking I didn't for the longest time. Oh, no. I'm not gonna complain about how I didn't get it because it has to do with my parents being like they'll be here next week and then of course they weren't because it's sporty spice, but I'm not gonna get into it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I I would bring Marco because I think having somebody more capable would be more helpful on a deserted island. But oh, true. That d- doesn't really apply to Cassie. True. Because you know she is more capable. But you know, I mean, also, I as big of a Spice Girls fan as I was in the '90s, I think I I was more of an Animorphs fan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but yeah, yeah. The, the comparisons between the two are pretty limited, so it's not like, you know, if I had to choose one, but. I What I want to know is what's Rachel's problem with Baby Spice? Like, what's, why is she hating on Emma? Yeah. Ooh. So. Do you think Rachel was also a Sporty Spice fan? I bet she was. Oh, she fucking had to be, right? Right. Definitely. Hmm. Ah, oh, man. 
I don't know. I wonder who... Never mind. I'm not going to get into <laughs> to any Spice of this. Girls is Anamorph's favorite. Yes. You know exactly where I was oh, going God. with that. And I'm going to veer out of that territory right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> they all have to take the which Spice Girl are you quiz and, like, the tiger oh my beat God. or whatever. Ah, uh, see, I feel like that's totally different. Like, which Spice Girl are you is different than which one's your favorite. True, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Marco would definitely be a Baby Spice fan, though. <laughs> I feel like he just would be. I don't know why I, I feel don't, that way. I just but do. also Posh Spice, maybe, because she's, like, the sexy one, maybe. I don't know. No, see, she was always just, like, the stuck-up one. Like, I feel like the sexy one would be either, like, Jerry or Mel B, um, because they were the ones that were always, like, you know, crazy and out there and, like, you know. Hmm. Uh, True. Yeah. This is a rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, the only one I don't have any inkling about is Tobias. I have no idea what way he would go. Sporty. You think so? Yeah. Is it because that's Rachel's favorite? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Christ. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Anyways, uh, Cassie does not answer this question um, because they are interrupted because Rachel's like, wait, we got to eavesdrop on these girls that are nearby. And it's these two weirdos. One of them, I think her name is Allison. She's the worst. And she's like, I'm going to ask Jake to the dance because he's getting cute now. And, like, Rachel just, like, butts into their private conversation and is like, hey, hey, knock this shit off. You see Cassie here? She and Jake, they're together. So you can, like, fuck right off with this shit. And uh, (laughs) then the girls were like, oh, they're together? They don't look like they're together because... And then here's, like, where they get into the weeds where I kind of backed out. Because they're like, because Cassie's way over here and Jake's way over there. So Rachel just, like, takes Cassie's yogurt, swipes it, and, like, walks over to Jake and Marco's table. (laughs) And Cassie's like, I had to follow. She took my yogurt. (laughs) So (laughs) they do. Uh. (laughs) Uh, So they sit down, and instead of letting any sort of awkward conversation between Jake and Cassie happen, Rachel's just like, by the way, you two are going to the dance together. This is great. Um, Rachel's great at this. She is. She's like, this relationship will happen, whether or not they want it to. Um, (laughs) But yeah, and then Marco's like, well, you know, I could clear some time out of my busy schedule, Rachel, for you. It only makes sense. And Rachel just immediately shuts that down. She's like, yeah, no, fuck that. (laughs) Um, And then there's some very funny slash foreshadowing moment at the end here where jake says something like we need to like you know go to the dance and just have a normal evening for once and marco's like every time we go to a dance things get fucked up but so i need i need jake to look like a big honking goober again oh my god he yes (laughs) yes we do need that we need that very very badly yes oh my god big honking goober (laughs) love it (laughs) so then we cut to the dance the kids are having a nice and normal time and cassie is even wearing makeup and a dress that uh, rachel helped her with of course cute um i know right it's adorable Cute. and it just keeps getting more cute (laughs) 
Um, the whole team is there, including Axe and Tobias, and Aww. they are just like sitting around talking. I know, right? They're so cute. Um, I, my my, I was just like dancing with glee. No pun intended. No, like yeah, yeah, cute slice of life moment. I know. I love this so much. Aww. Like, I just, I know that it like you know everything goes to shit soon because this is animorphs. But like, mm-hmm. it, it was just such a sweet moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah. But yeah, um, the the airhead girl, Allison, that had wanted to ask Jake out earlier is eyeing up Axe, and Axe is like, what does this mean? And they're all like explaining to him, like, oh, she wants to dance <laughs> with you, she wants to come over. Um, and Marco goes, she wants your body. And this, is, <laughs> this freaks Axe out. <laughs> like, he is not having this. And uh, so Allison does come over, she asks, asks Axe to dance and he goes I I would love to shuffle my artificial hooves with you but you cannot have my body (laughs) and then Allison just made some excuse and backed off because she's like oh god this kid's weird I've made a mistake (laughs) I've made a terrible mistake um And about that time, Cassie and Jake get away to dance for a little bit. And they do, they have a couple songs where they dance and and Cassie is spinning with glee because they're dancing. Because she's so happy they're dancing. Yeah. And then, uh, and then it goes weird. (laughs) Gets gets hella weird. Yeah. This is the part where shit goes south. So Cassie is trying to look back towards Rachel to try and, I guess, communicate with her eyes <laughs> that, <laughs> that Rachel and Tobias should get away from Marco and X and have a dance or two of their own. Unfortunately, when she's trying to communicate with Rachel, she notices that Axe has got a giant lump on the back of his head that has started throbbing with the music. <laughs> a second later, a stock eye bursts out of his head. Uh. So, yeah, it's going bad. Um, Marco whips off his flannel shirt, and Rachel grabs it from him and ties it around Axe's head. And there's multiple comments about how even in an emergency, she tied it in such a way that it looked pretty good. Fuck. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Um, Weird. Yeah. So the kids all gather around Axe and try to escort him out of the gym. And they were like, what do we do? Where do we go? Um, They were talking about going to the boys' room, but there were monitors there, so they're like, okay, let's head to the girls' room. But right as they're about to go into the bathroom, Allison comes out, and Axe starts screaming that she's going to steal his body, so he bolts. (laughs) And he goes (laughs) right towards Chapman and Mr. Tidwell. Um, They know uh, Chapman, obviously, is a controller. Mr. Tidwell, they just say, is the most intense teacher in their school. So... Neither are a good choice, um, but they know that if Chapman sees him, that they're completely screwed. And luckily, Mr. Tidwell says he knows X, and he's obviously drunk, and escorts them out into the hallway. So everybody manages to get out into the hallway by lying through their teeth that X has some sort of disease, and one of them has the medication, and the others are needed to help him get the medication. <laughs> oh, so. no. They do make it into the hallway together, uh, but Axe just cannot seem to get it together. He keeps, like, morphing out his stock eyes. He keeps morphing out his front andalite eggs, which is eggs. Eggs. <laughs> eggs My on the brain. Eggs. My eggs hurt. My eggs! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, Christ. 
Christ's sakes. I'm taking a sip of coffee. I haven't oh, had enough yet. Oh, dear. Oh, I've made a terrible verbal error. That was amazing. That was the worst. It was like a Freudian slip, but apropos of, like, nothing. <laughs> 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 That's all that goes on in my head at all times. Eggs. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Anyways, his legs keep <laughs> demorphing and remorphing, and they're like slamming into like walls and lockers and like making a ruckus. Um, and Mr. Tidwell can hear it all. So when Axe kind of seems to have it a little bit under control, they try to like sneak Axe past him to get out of there, but um, he ends up demorphing his tail and knocking Mr. Tidwell onto his butt. Great. So didn't go well. Um, Mr. Tidwell then pulls Cassie aside and tells her, hey, I know your friend's an Andalite and Cassie is freaking the fuck out. And he's like, I know what you and your friends are. And Cassie is like, I can't breathe and every I have sweat and also my mouth is dry and it's all terrible. Um, but then Mr. Tidwell says that he's part of the Yerk Peace Movement and that Aftran is in trouble. We already heard about Aftran, guys. She's here. She's back. back. She's back. Um, Aftran has been found out somehow and is being held in the Yerk pool and will be interrogated soon by Visor 3 personally. Um, Cassie's trying to determine if this is a trap, but as far as she can tell, it's pretty legit. And uh, Mr. Tidwell's like, well, I gotta go back and cover for you idiots with Chapman. So he's like, <laughs> get your fucking Andalite out of here. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So they do. They get Axe out of the school and back to his normal Andalite body. And luckily, he doesn't seem to be morphing out of control at this point. He's just able to stay as himself. So they have Tobias fly lookout while they manage to walk him back to Cassie's barn. And then she starts going like full, like, you know, this is my rehab center and you guys have to do what I want. And uh, so she's like ordering Marco to fill up the trough with water and Rachel go get me blankets. And then she sends Jake for a thermometer. And she questions Axe, like, what the fuck is happening? And he says, this is Yamfoot. <laughs> which I don't know if I'm pronouncing properly, which is a disease <laughs> that affects his triagland. <laughs> That's how did you read it? it? Like that seems right, right? What the pronunciation of Yamfoot? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I got. Okay, okay, good. Because <laughs> I didn't want another, uh, you know, arist, arist moment. I think arist just sounds better though. Honestly, me too. I don't know. Personally. <laughs> I personally <laughs> believe it sounds better. <laughs> but that's oh, just me. Someone make um, him some soup. He's sick boy. That, oh my god. The, okay. I will just continue. Yeah. I guess make him some soup. But there are so many weird moments here of like Cassie being like very caring to him. It's not weird because she's being caring. It's the phrases she says that are like... Oh. What? Oh. <laughs> but I'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> so anyways, um, the disease affects his triagland, and if it bursts, he dies. Like so, appendicitis. Um, exactly. Like appendicitis of the brain. Impendicitis. Impending doomicitis. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's terrible. Don't ever use that as a disease name. People will freak <laughs> Stick out. Stick it to the <laughs> Stick it to the... Oh, my God. 
Oh my god, I this is a total sidebar, but I saw a gif the other day of this cockatiel that was ignoring his owner, so his owner started tapping on a little toy drum, and then like the cockatiel started bobbing his head, and then after a minute, he came over and started drumming along, and I'm like, this is the plot of School of Rock in oh, one gif. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. It was adorable. So anyways, um, moving right along... <laughs> So uh, Cassie tempts him and finds out that he is running a fever. He has a temperature of like 96 degrees and it should be 91.4. I didn't write down the temperatures. This is all from memory. So I think it's (laughs) 91.4. So he's running a fever and Axe says when the fever breaks, they have to cut out that gland, the one in his head, or he'll die. And then he kind of passes out and Cassie is freaking out. Yes. So, yeah. Um, Cassie suggests they move away from Axe so he can get some rest. And then she says something like, bless your baby bird bones? Or bless (laughs) Bless your your baby baby bones? bones. (laughs) Bless your baby bones. Is that a thing? Do people say that? I've never heard it before, but I thought it was kind of (laughs) cute. I definitely read it, bless your baby bird bones. That's why I thought it was (laughs) <laughs> I I think it's just that I'm now programmed anytime somebody says baby I just think bird baby right bird. after baby bird but yeah bless your baby bones okay <laughs> say that to me when I'm sick <laughs> I will do that and then I will place my finger in your hand to wrap your thank hand you. around my finger thank you I will I will grip it with a closed triangle of hand (laughs) 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 fucking nightmare scenario (laughs) (laughs) Christ's sake god i was just i just tried to fix my glasses and I, i'm not wearing glasses i don't even wear glasses what is happening <laughs> uh. <laughs> god i was laughing and then i was thinking about justin mcelroy's laugh and how much i love it <laughs> <laughs> and i wish i had justin mcelroy's laugh and it's making me laugh harder <laughs> oh my god there's sometimes that they don't even say something that funny, but then Justin loses it. Yes, and, like, and, then, and then I lose it. Yes. Or when he can't get through his own jokes because he starts <laughs> laughing too hard. Yes. Oh, and his laugh is just like, like it's either a cough or like a really high-pitched squeak. I freaking Or just it. a wheeze. Just like a... <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop thinking about it. Oh. Okay, okay. Oh my god. There was another moment on this week's episode where Griffin lost it for like 10 seconds straight and I <laughs> lost it because Griffin was losing it. I love their laughs. <laughs> Me too. God. Oh. Okay. Sake. Okay. Anyways. I've got um, it. What the fuck? Bless the baby bird bones. Yes. Um, <laughs> Jesus. That's another t-shirt we should make. Bless your baby bones. <laughs> Uh, okay, anyways, uh, they move away from Axe, and everybody feels horrible for him. Uh, they go to the other side of the barn where they start talking about what to do, 
and everyone is dying to know what Tidwell said to her before leaving. So Cassie explains that, you know, he is part of the Yurk Peace Movement, and uh, he says he wants to, you know, I don't know, give them information or whatever, and that Aftran is being held in the Yurk pool, and she's going to be interrogated. And if she's interrogated, they are fucked because she's going to give up all the information. And uh, everybody's like, it's a trap! But um, they're like, we have to try and get Aftran anyways because she knows everything about us. And there is some residual anger towards Cassie, mostly coming from surprisingly Rachel and not Marco. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I I would be mad at her, too. But, like, I thought Marco would be the one that's like, you fucked up. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, they decide they have to go anyways, and they're like, let's go immediately, because we need to get Aftran, and then we need to get back to figure out how we're gonna take care of Axe. And, uh, then they realize that they can't leave him alone, so Jake sends Marco to go and get Eric, because the Chi owe the Animorphs. Yes. Which is a good plan. Um, so Marco shows up with Eric in tow, and Eric makes a joke about how the Chi are usually the ones giving the Animorphs the bad news. And uh, then they show him Axe, who is really not doing well. And they're discussing ways to get into the Yerk pool to get Aftran. And Marco's the one that's like, let's go through the water pipes. There has to be toilets down there. I mean, he starts this conversation by asking if there are toilets in the Yerk pool, which everybody's like, not the time, Marco. But, (laughs) you know. Uh, He's like, toilet humor. It's always time for toilet humor. (laughs) Um, anyways, uh, (laughs) yeah, so they're like, there's, of course, toilets down there the whole bit, so Eric's like, oh, yeah, you can do that, and then he hooks him up with, like, the whole plans from the city to get into the Yerk pool through the water pipes. (laughs) Um, I know, he's so helpful. And then he sets up a hologram around him and Axe, and they're like, okay, great, and they're like, what if he starts to run away, because Eric can't, like, you know, hold him down or anything, and they're like, well, we just have to hope that doesn't happen <laughs> well um i was confused because eric managed to hold back the the howlers like he can yeah. act as a barrier thing yeah so why can't he like just hold axe in the cell or just sit in front of the door of the stall or just sit on him like that's, <laughs> that's not violence no it's not violent at all <laughs> right yeah I, and like he's like, when Rachel was attacking before, she got held as a grizzly bear, so she couldn't move. Yeah. So I don't see, like... This is, like, a weird sort of excuse loophole situation. Yeah. And they also... So there's, like, three weird things about it. There's, like, one, that it's even a thing. Two, that they mention it, like, four times throughout this book. And uh-huh. three, that Axe never tries to leave, so it isn't even a concern. Yeah. Like, it never even happens. Yeah. So I don't know. I just don't know. I do like how Eric is like, he's been showing up in the past 10 books. He's basically like an unofficial member of the team now. Yeah. He's the spy. The spy. The spy. The spy on the inside. That's, sorry. I just started thinking of the man on the inside. And then in my head, I was like, Hercules Mulligan. (laughs) <laughs> and I, don't, I don't even know if that's the right line from that song that's just what came up in my head i hope it's right it might be lafayette i don't anyways no, no, no. Her, her yeah you're right okay thank god 
Um, okay, moving right along here. Uh, they. oh jesus christ um so they are like let's go through the pipes how do we do this thing because they are tiny and we are big and even cockroaches have to breathe and tobias is like oh shit there's some eels behind the bait shop he's like i steal them and eat them sometimes (laughs) bad (laughs) they're like they're like gross he's like well, you know, sometimes catching prey is hard, so I steal eels from the bait shop. How is that better than eating roadkill? It is in no way better than roadkill. It is worse than roadkill. Yeah. Please eat the roadkill. You are Do stealing. not eat these eels. <laughs> you are he probably stealing. like finds a dollar bills like after oh, yeah. he does it and like drops it near the store. Oh, he probably does. Oh. Aww. Or like morphs now. himself and like just goes and like leaves it on the counter. Oh, I out. I was going to chastise him for stealing, but then I was like, oh no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He's too honorable. He pays them back. He is. Oh, shit. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so they send Tobias to go get the eels, and he heads off and quickly returns with one eel. Because he dropped the other one on the way, and he drops this eel onto, like, Cassie's shoulder. Okay. Because <laughs> so, it's so slippery, I guess. Um, <laughs> so they all acquire it. And as Marco is acquiring this eel, he's like, my plan is so insane. Why did I say anything? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they're, like, doing their normal, like, pump up before the mission kind of thing. Like, we ready to go. Let's do this. Blah, blah, blah. And then Cassie's like, it felt really weird, though. And then she realizes it's because they're going on this mission without Axe. No one to keep track of morph time. That's a great situation. Yeah. And no one to keep track of where they have to turn. Because, like, the instructions that they get from Eric are, like, turn left, then turn right, then go past two pipes, then turn left, then turn right (laughs) again, then go down, then go past four pipes, then do, like... It's not like, here are three things to remember. They're like, here are 60 things to remember. Up, down, left, right, A, B, start. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much, except not at all that easy to remember. (laughs) Um, Yep. So next thing they know, they're in the city water tower, and they are treading water in this weird, dark deprivation chamber. And they're trying to memorize these insane instructions that they just got. And Cassie is like, Axe would have remembered, but he's not here. So they're very sad. And things are very tense. I'm very sad, too. I miss Axe. I love him. Me, too. Um, And then Rachel's finally like, okay, fuck this. Let's just morph and do this thing. And so they start morphing, and it's very weird and gross. And once they get to eels, they all start biting each other, because apparently eels are angry worms, as Rachel says. (laughs) They're like angry cannibal worms. Yeah, she's like, I'm one angry worm. (laughs) (laughs) But they get a grip on themselves and head off through the pipes, which travel at like a million miles an hour. So they are rocketing through these things like crazy and trying to remember the sequence. And the first turn startles everybody because they have to react almost instantaneously when they see it. Um, They do manage to make it through the first turn, but they're still traveling like crazy fast and jake is trying to call out where to go next but cassie's like reeling because she knows that if they get this wrong they could wind up in a dead end with no way to get out and they would be trapped as eels and it would be horrible 
So she's like, don't think about it, but then accidentally says that out loud. And Tobias is like, think about what? And Marco's like, dying and getting trapped in a toilet or a faucet and people are flushing you down forever. (laughs) And they're like, great. Like, thanks, Marco. That's like really what we all wanted to think about right now. Um, And it's enough to momentarily distract them. And then they misjudge where the next pipe is. So... Like, they overshoot it, and then Cassie kind of, like, gets halfway in the pipe, but she's, like, being sucked out into the main line, and so they create, like, a chain of eels by biting each other and, like, trying to pull them back in, (laughs) and they do make it into the tunnel, but then, like, the, like, Cassie's relief at, like, okay, good, we made this turn is quickly gone because Jake is very, like, getting very confused, and they're saying, like, where to next, and he's, like, kind of, like, what, what, like, what are you talking about? Um, and that's when Cassie starts to realize that Jake is sick. Wow! And he's not. <laughs> can we make that sound whenever anyone gets sick? Yes. Yes, we can. Okay. Uh, oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm so obnoxious. <laughs> no, do not be. This is great. Oh, God. Oh, man. <laughs> we have to get down with the sickness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh no! Oh god okay so um cassie private thought speaks to everybody but jake that jake is sick and they start privately talking about what to do and rachel's like tobias and i will keep going to the york pool marco and cassie you get jake out of here and it starts this huge argument of like what makes you the leader of the animorphs now and then like you know they're who else is it gonna be cassie what the fuck and then cassie's like really upset about this not at all because they called her out on not wanting to be the leader but just because they're ignoring jake who is right fucking there (laughs) don't talk about him Um, like he's not in the room (laughs) that's that's basically what she says like don't talk about him like he's not in this weird drainage pipe with us (laughs) um but yeah so then she's like she just says to jake hey you're sick what do you want us to do and jake goes we all have to get out of here uh and then becomes unresponsive again and it's Tobias that's like, I got it. We just got to ride out the water like it's air currents. And they're like, what the fuck does that mean, Tobias? And he's like, you know, when you're flying through a canyon at night, that common experience we all have together, it's like <laughs> the air can only go through the open parts. So you got to ride the open air and eventually you get spit out of the canyon. And they're all like, well, I guess that's as good of a plan as any. So uh, they ride the water currents down into the darkness and it's a really long time of like nothing they're like it feels like forever because it's dark and it's you know quiet and it's just it could be a minute or an hour they have no idea um but then it starts getting loud and they're like oh great we're coming to the end of this thing and then the water starts getting very forceful and they're like oh no this might not turn out well and then they're shot out into the open and all around them they see fire (laughs) they were they're like ah (laughs) and they were pulled through a hose that was being used on a burning building huzzah huzzah so they are shot through to the second story of the house uh where they all start demorphing even though they're being pelted with high pressure water and cassie's like i kept like choking and being pushed towards the stove like i i don't know um yeah but they do demorph like some weird weird eel 
deformed beast creatures coming out of this crazy water. Uh, And then they start climbing through the smoke and the chaos to the top floor so that they can all morph to bird and make it out of there. And they get out of the burning house, but uh, pretty quickly Jake crashes because he can't fly far because he's very sick. Um, And then I think it's Jake that tells Rachel and Tobias, he's like, go check on Axe. And then Cassie and Marco help him get home. And they have to stop every little bit because Jake has to puke his guts out. And Marco gives us several delightful variations about how to say puke. Thank you. Including tangos with the toilets. <laughs> and what was the other one? Rainbow burp or something like yeah, that? Or rainbow? Eh. I was, he gave us like 30. I was horrified. I was laughing. <laughs> I thought it was great. I was like, these are all great. I still can't get over when he told X that Allison was warm for his form. Oh my god, I (laughs) forgot about that! (laughs) Oh, that's so gross. I know! I've never heard that before (laughs) as well. Oh, I mean, I immediately got it, but oh god. Marco's so hip with the, the slang. Of the 90s. Oh, Jesus. Is that... Is it the 90s? I don't know. I think it's just a Marcoism. Marco uses a lot of, like, slang or shortcut words in this book. Yes. Oh, man. Marco. (laughs) (laughs) That kid. Ay, ay, ay. That kid. Yeah, so he's, like, just delighted at being able to give us all of his variations of how to say puke. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, Luckily, he shuts up soon because Jake soon loses the ability to really walk on his own. So they have to, like, work together to half carry Jake. And Marco (laughs) and Cassie both get out of breath pretty quickly. Yes. Jake is a large man child. Yes, and he needs to be carried by his friends to his house. Why didn't Marco just morph a gorilla and carry him? Actually, that's not a terrible idea. It's not a good idea. (laughs) It's not a terrible idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or Cassie could go horse again. Oh, yeah. Not that that worked out the first time that happened, but, you know. Air solutions. Yeah, they could have... they could have done something other than make a seat with their hands below him and carrying him. <laughs> but hey, it works, right? They made it to Jake's house. Um, and Jake's mom was waiting for him. And they're like, what the fuck? How did you know? And she's like, oh, Rachel called me to let me know Jake was sick. <laughs> and Cassie's like, okay, can I have the phone, please? And so while Jake's mom escorts him to the bathroom so he can continue to vomit profusely, um... Rachel and Cassie talk and they're trying to like be kind of quiet and Rachel's like so our other friend that's sick has it way worse than Jake and you know he's partially delirious but he managed to communicate that he thinks that Jake will only have like a normal flu but he's really really not good otherwise Mm -hmm. so yeah not great yeah yeah, I feel bad for him. But here we are. At least he got sick. Like, that's something that I feel like a lot of, like, sci-fi books don't. It's either the main plot, like, once they go on this planet, they will be destroyed by bacteria. Mm-hmm. Or, like, it 
doesn't even come into play. So this was like an interesting, like, they could get sick like everyone else kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting. But, yeah. Anyways, uh, we cut to Cassie, who's in the middle of a crazy dream where she's getting ready for surgery with Noah Wilde as her assistant. Which I assume is from E-R? No. Yeah. Gray's E-R? Yeah. No okay. Wiley. I, okay. He was the hot I didn't guy. Watch it. Well, that's good, I guess. I know they've mentioned him before in other Animorphs books, so. Yes. That's, you know, whatever. He's, he's hot, Anyways, I guess. Um, I have no idea what he looks like. I never watched ER. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe you. Anyways, uh, so yeah, Cassie's in the middle of this dream, and Noah Wilde is her assistant, but it's her dad on the table, and he's awake, and she's like, shouldn't we be putting him under for surgery? And then they're like, I don't know. And then he's like, I'm ready for the yum foot surgery. But then her dad turns into Axe, and she's like, I have no idea where to cut. And then her friends are all tapping on the glass of like the operation room, and um, she's getting really annoyed. She's like, don't they know this is a delicate surgery? But then she about wakes up because it's actually her mom tapping on her door saying like, Cassie, get up for school. You're going to be late. And um, that's when she mentioned she's exhausted because she and Marco were up all night taking shifts to watch Jake and uh, make sure he didn't start talking and say anything that Tom could overhear. I don't think they put you under for brain surgery. I don't know. Because they, they want to see if you're responsive throughout, yeah, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Not that I'm a brain surgeon, but I think you're right. So, yeah. They might paralyze you in some way. Yeah, I think they give you, like, the lidocaine in the in the head region. So you, Insane you in the brain. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Cassie's anyway. tired as fuck. She's tired. She's tired and she's going to school. Gross. Um... It is gross. That's the worst place to, like, to go when you're tired. Yeah, or in general. <laughs> <laughs> School is for fools. School is for idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I say this hopefully confident that all of our listeners have already graduated school and will not take this message to heart. <laughs> <laughs> this is a goof, y'all. This is this is a goof. School's good for you. Yeah. I wish I had paid attention and done better in school. Instead, I fucked around like an idiot. Although, I do have opinions about the public school system and how it's not great. But that's not the fault of teachers. It is an institutional problem. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> right. Sorry. Before we talk about that um cassie makes it to school with about four minutes to spare she rushes over to rachel's locker but rachel is not showing up and cassie waits until the last possible minute before heading to class but uh rachel never shows up she tries to concentrate and take notes and blah 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 but then she just gives up and says can i have a pass for the bathroom and her teacher is moderately annoyed that she did not go before class but gives it to her anyways and then (laughs) cassie uses it to sneak into the gym and call rachel's house Rachel's mom answers the phone and tells Cassie that Rachel has been up half the night puking. No! Not Rachel. I know. I know. So, Rachel is now down with the sickness. (laughs) (laughs) 
Every time. It's never going to get old. <laughs> Not to me. Oh, my God. Uh. Uh, so, Cassie continues through her school day until she feels a tap on her shoulder. And she's like, ah, Marco found me. But when she turns around, it's Mr. Tidwell, no. who uses secret slang. He says, <laughs> we're going to need to discuss the Spanish club party. What? Which, like, uh, Yeah. <laughs> Was he even in charge of the Spanish club? Was Cassie even in a Spanish club? Did she even take Spanish? No one knows. This is a, I have so many questions. <sighs> it wasn't a very good lie. Yeah. But whatever. Um, it gets him into an empty classroom. So that's happening. Um, so Mr. Tidwell is there to deliver terrible news. Um, he's there to tell her that Visor 3's timeline has moved up and that he may be interrogating Aftran as early as that very night. And, um, Cassie is, ugh, sorry, let me, let me retake a run at that sentence. Cassie, yes! (laughs) (laughs) Cassie asks him why Ilum, who is the name of the Yerk in Mr. Tidwell, will only come to her and discuss what's going on with her. And Ilum says it's because Aftran trusts her and only her because she proved herself. And um, Cassie says that three of the members of the group are very sick. And Ilum's like, well, too fucking bad. You know, (laughs) sometimes you still gotta do shit. And uh, Cassie's still like, I don't know, this still might be a trap. You know, I, I don't know if I can believe this. And then um, it turns into this weird sharing circle. Not weird. It's not weird. It's sad is what it is. Um, so Mr. Tidwell and Ilum open up and tell their story, which was at first Mr. Tidwell was an unwilling host. He was a slave. But after spending a long time in his head with Mr. Tidwell screaming and being angry, um, Ilum decided he didn't want that anymore. He came around to the idea of joining the peace movement because he didn't want to have a slave he thought that they should have some sort of autonomy um and then ilum actually hands over control to mr tidwell or like speaks what mr tidwell is saying um and cassie says she can't see like a difference so she doesn't really know but um it's mr tidwell speaking to her and he says that he didn't care about anything after his wife died uh he came to school and he went home with no purpose and nothing to live for and that when ilum came around to the peace movement he was finally able to find a purpose again in fighting because he goes what else could be more important than fighting for your freedom so he's actually come around to enjoying ilum's company and they have a partnership where they are both fighting for peace and freedom right and, uh, yeah, it's great. <coughs> so Cassie still doesn't know if she can trust them or if it's a trap, but she decides that she is going to trust them and then comes up with a plan. And she asks Ilum if he can live outside Mr. Tidwell's body for a few hours at a time. And Ilum confirms that, yes, he can in a liquid environment. <laughs> Put him in a pickle jar. Make him prove his loyalty. <laughs> uh, it's so much worse than that, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, um. But yeah, that was very sad. Poor Mr. Tidwell. I know. He and Marco's dad should have a widower's party. Except <laughs> not should, a party. Should, we should have the meeting of the widower's club party. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad. So. Yeah. I was really hoping. It gets worse. I was like, I really hope Mr. Tidwell is, is honest because I really like him. 
Yeah. And I feel bad for him. Did you think he was being honest at this point or no? Um, I thought it could go either way at this point. I was also like, this is very much could be a trap. And I thought it would have been, since there were so many comparisons to book 19, which was all about like giving the Yerk the benefit of the doubt and trusting them. Um, mm-hmm. I thought like this book would be like, oh, this is kind of the same thing, but then pull the twist at the end that like, surprise, it was a trap all along and we were playing to your emotions because you're the emotional one and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Not that I'm confirming nor denying what happens at the end for spoiling purposes. <laughs> I will never confirm or deny. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't say because I've read these before. Right. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah. Uh, Cassie meets up with Marco after school and she goes to tell him the plan, but he is just chanting the five little monkeys to her. And she's like, how are you feeling? And he's like, weird, but I'm probably fine. I just watched a movie today. And so my eyes are probably glazed over from that. Yeah. And Cassie's like, sure and then she like puts a hand to his forehead and she's like cold and or warm and clammy but maybe he was just walking i guess <laughs> um so cassie's like trying to recap her meeting with ilum and mr tidwell and then she reveals that her plan is that she wants to morph to yerk to get down to the yerk pool and that's when marco starts making puking noises but then just literally hauls off and pukes in the bushes and that is when Marco gets down with the sickness. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that one, was, that one was a little bit of fail. I think I'm losing steam on no. that. Um, it's, I'm going to keep making you do it. Okay. I'll do my best. <laughs> good. I can always, That's all oh, I can ask. I can record a good one later and then just like dub it in. Perfect. And just pretend that I'm really good at making that horrible noise. <laughs> we could always take the actual noise from the song and put it in. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, uh. I uh, I thought this scene was interesting because, um, like, the more animorphs that are getting down with the sickness, like the mm-hmm. the role of the leader keeps shifting. So, like, yeah. So, like, Jake was out, and then Rachel kind of took over, um, which I thought was interesting because Jake's been out before. And Rachel has kind of been like, well, should I be the leader? I kind of feel weird about it. Um, Yeah. So the fact that she was all like, kind of like, okay, I'm making the decisions now was odd Mm -hmm. to me. Um, But then when Rachel was out, then Marco immediately took over. And I just, it's a very interesting sort of hierarchy that's playing out. Yeah. So what, like, did you think that that was the hierarchy that's been established throughout the series or was it different? Um, I think just in terms of the characters personalities, like I don't think Mm -hmm. necessarily that Rachel should be like second in command or Marco should be third in command or whatever, but like Rachel and Marco are kind of the more outgoing ones. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. surprise me that they kind of like volunteered to take up that role. Yeah. Whereas, I, yeah, I think, um, you know, Cassie and Tobias are a little more understated, but I think they're very, very smart and they actually usually work out very well um, in terms of like strategizing. Right. So anyway, what were you going to say? 
No, that's that's it. I was just asking. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think Axe would probably be the last one to take control. Yeah, because he's like fully established himself as I defer to Prince Jake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if um, Cassie and Tobias, which of those two would be taking over first? Yeah, I don't know. I want to say Cassie just because she, you know, she can take charge. Like, you know, when Axe was sick and they brought him into the bar and she was like, okay, do Mm -hmm. this, do this, do this. You know, it was delegating. Um, Right. So, I don't know. Just my thought. Yeah, I mean... I agree with that, but also Tobias is used to being kind of the aerial support, and he can take charge when he feels confident, mm-hmm. so there's, I mean, but I agree. I think it would be Cassie. Not going to have a choice okay. coming up in a bit. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, Marco's down. He's down with the sickness, but... Um... <laughs> anyway... So, uh, in his quickly becoming more and more delirious state, he goes, so what do you do if you succeed? And Cassie goes, I didn't realize it at the time, but he identified the fatal flaw in my plan. If I got Aftran, what then? Da-da-dun. Well. So, Cassie, what? Well, so I was thinking about that, um, about mm-hmm. what to do with Aftran after they free her. And yeah. I was like, why can't you just give her to a chi? Because they, like, keep their yurks in their little cups in their heads and oh, yeah. aren't manufactured candron arrays. So why can't you just, like, here you go. I wonder if all chi have a yurk, though, or if there's still some chi that don't. But, I mean, yeah, but they would probably have the ability to hold and... To support, too. Yeah, yeah for sure. yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess it's... I was just wondering if there was any non-yerked chi. Yeah, I'm sure there are. Um, just depending on what role they're playing, but mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it is kind of like have this have this other being with you at all times, forever. Like that's a big kind of like life switch, big shift. Yeah, yeah. And what, I mean, Aftran has to have a say in that as well, right? Yeah. Like, do you want this life? And Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you want this life? Do you want to live like this? Girl, you live like this? <laughs> anyway. Uh... God. And at this point, I'm just like, wow, the, the stakes in this book are just like progressively getting so high. And I love it. Oh, I know. It was like... I, I was having trouble stopping between chapters to take notes mm-hmm. because as I got to like the end of it, I was like, oh my God, what really, happens next? Yeah, it just ramps up so well. It does. It does. It's very good. Um, yes. Okay. So Cassie heads back to the barn to check in with Eric and Axe and Tobias has been there keeping watch all day in case Axe leaves, but whatever. Um, and... Uh, when Cassie gets back um, Tobias uses that as an opportunity to head out and he says to check on the other patients but Cassie knows that he means Rachel so um, Cassie's looking at the chart that they've taken his like axis temperature all day 
And it looks like if she's doing the math right, he's going to hit the critical point in about eight hours. But they warn her his temperature has been dropping in random spurts. It's not like evenly declining. He'll hold steady for a while and then it'll drop. And blah, blah. Mm-hmm. so they're like, it might be eight hours. It might be now. <laughs> like, just be ready. Um, so Cassie tries to talk to Axe again to try and figure out, you know, where this triagland is and all that jazz. But Axe is just delirious and apparently owes Eric one million and seven dollars <laughs> <laughs> because of many failed attempts at rock, paper, scissors, allegedly. <laughs> uh, so Eric's like, yeah, he's been like this for most of the day where he'll seem OK and he'll seem like he's getting it. And then he'll just like lose it and become delirious. Mm. Um But this conversation is interrupted by Cassie's dad coming into the barn. Cassie leaps out of the hologram, out of the stall, and tells her dad, hey, I'm doing everything. It's fine. You don't need to be out here. And he seems really suspicious, so she's worried. But then he goes, you were pretending to be a horse, weren't you? And Cassie's like, (laughs) Cassie's like, I haven't played that game since I was like five, maybe six. But then she just went, yeah, you caught me. (laughs) Oh, I loved that so much. Oh my God. <laughs> Fucking love her dad. Me too. This is another, like, we don't get a lot of her family in this book, but when we do, it's very good. Yes. So, yeah. Um, so, Cassie starts doing the chores, and she said to her dad she would, and she hears Tobias flapping in behind her. So she turns around and goes, oh, how's Rachel? But Tobias is like, I did not make it. I'm feeling a little like, blah. And then trails off, loses control, and flies headfirst into a rafter. Baby, no. I know. He, he took a good good thump on the noggin. Oh, my God. But then the best shit happens. <laughs> So he crashes to the ground. Cassie rushes over and picks him up, trying to make sure that he's still alive. And she gets one of his terrible quips that he always makes whenever he's injured. And he, like, tries to tell her that he didn't drink the punch. (laughs) So, yeah. And she's like, okay, he's still alive. She puts him into a cage, which is next to a golden eagle, which she knows he won't like, but it's the only cage they have. And she writes up a quick chart for him and says, I'm going to let my dad take care of you. And Tobias starts protesting and starts biting the cage bars <laughs> like, let me out, which was adorable. And then Cassie screams at him and we get, I think, our first swear word ever that's blatantly stated in an Animorphs book. And she tells him not to give not to give her any of his crap right now. <laughs> and then Tobias is just like, OK, <laughs> and sits quietly. <laughs> I fucking... So I love this, um, and I mm-hmm. love how in the past few books, Cassie has, like, started yelling a bit more and developing a little mm-hmm. bit more of a backbone. I really, really like it. Yeah. I liked that, and I liked just the mental image of Tobias biting the bars and, just, and like, pulling at the like cage getting all puffy. <laughs> like, yeah. Also, I'm like, you could totally morph into a small thing and fly out of that cage. Into anything. <laughs> he could morph into he There's so many ways to get out, but he just, like, accepts his fate. <laughs> I think he's just mad. He's like, how dare you? Yeah. Don't put me in a cage. <laughs> Nobody puts Don't Tobias in a cage. Yes. <laughs> Don't fence me in, man. <laughs> Don't tase me, bro. <laughs> oh, no. oh. Anyways, yeah, so Tobias has now come down with a sickness. <laughs> no, I can't do it anymore. 
<laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's adorable. Can you teach? Can you teach Gax to do that when you get home? I can certainly try. Yes. <laughs> I would have to get very good at it, though. Just do it. Just do it. I'll do my best. Just do it. <laughs> there we go. Oh, get up, get up, get down. Okay, <laughs> anyways. Um, <laughs> oh, so, Cassie goes into her house and approaches her mom, who's working on the computer. And she's like, hey, mom, I'm doing a report on brain surgery. Do you have any good books about it? And her mom's like, oh, fuck yeah. So she, like, pulls some books. <laughs> fuck, yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah, Cassie. I have some fucking books for you. Let's do this shit. <laughs> oh god oh, this is the reason I should never have children <laughs> <laughs> mommy can I go play with my friends fuck yeah fuck yeah get you can house. get the fuck out oh. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ anyways um, yeah uh, well her mother is gathering these books <laughs> on brain surgery <laughs> <laughs> shit um she's like handing her these books like this one has this really good intro and this one has this good chapter blah blah, blah. cassie is noticing the mug that her mom is drinking her coffee out of and it's a mug with a silly picture of her family that they took at the gardens where it was all of them doing the supermodel filter on there and uh <laughs> it, it i guess filter i don't know what did they what was it, was it? like a, Some sort it was of... like one of those like wooden things with the characters painted on it and then you stick your head through the oh hole. see i thought because it was an amusement park it was one of those things where you like oh flipped through like like the old timey i don't like like you go into the old timey photo booth and you can like dress up in like like civil war era shit yeah and... but then like you can change the backgrounds too like it's a oh, green yeah. screen or whatever i don't know i don't know I, ma- I made some assumptions. I made some massive assumptions with this mug. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was there was a silly picture on there of them being supermodels or something, I guess. And her dad was making like duck face before <laughs> duck face was a thing. <laughs> uh, Love it. Yeah, it's so good. Um, but all it did was make Cassie just horrified and filled with guilt over the constant lies to her family. And um, as she was racked with guilt, she told yet another lie that she was going to study with Rachel, who was sick with this brain surgery stuff. And uh, her mom was like, oh, well, okay, but like, don't get sick yourself. And Cassie's like, okay, like she has any control over that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so she stopped in the barn one last time to check on everyone, and she went into Axe's stall and tried to talk to Axe, but uh, he was just non-responsive. Eric reported that his temperature dropped an entire degree in the past hour, which just lends to, like, she does not have time to save Axe. Um, So she hoped that it would hold while she was gone, but she says to Eric, if it doesn't, and then she just kind of trails off and let that lets that hang between her and Eric. And Eric says he understands. And then she touches Axe's face and apologized to him, hoping that he would understand what she was saying. And she knew that if he did, that warrior cadet Axe would understand why she had to leave him, even though he might die, that it was for the 
you know, she couldn't sacrifice the one for the many, um, but it didn't make her feel any less guilty oh, no. that she might be leaving him to die. Poor ex. I know. Everyone's just like, he's so expendable. <laughs> oh. Uh, there's so, well, there's, it, you know. He's, there's just so many times he's been left to die. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. And she feels horrible about it, but there's just not much she can do. So, although interesting now that, you know, we're we're comparing this to book 19. And in book 19, she was like, I will sacrifice the entirety of Earth and all of the Animorphs for one Yerk. And now she's like, I won't sacrifice, you know, the entire Earth and the Animorphs for Axe. So, Character growth. Character growth. Um, yeah, so interesting. But anyways, uh, at that point, she couldn't even do anything anymore. She just couldn't even, so she <laughs> left the barn. <laughs> she couldn't even. <laughs> she couldn't even. Um, and she got on her bike and pedaled away furiously, trying to outrun her guilt. Uh, and while she was pedaling away, she started questioning every single one of her decisions, including the one to let Aftran go. But it was too late now, and she had to do the mission. So Cassie makes it to Mr. Tidwell's house and the door swings open before she can even knock. He was waiting for her and he asks, where do they do this? And Cassie's like the kitchen and leads him there. And she says it was weird because he was her teacher, but whatever. Um, they then watch Ilum come out of Mr. Tidwell's ear. And as like once Ilum's out, Mr. Tidwell makes a comment to Cassie that it always makes him feel so empty when he's gone. So <laughs> that was weird. That's super weird. Uh, but whatever. Uh, Cassie then acquires Ilum, and she and Mr. Tidwell have a brief discussion about how if they are found out, they're all going to be killed. And Cassie, like, goes through this whole thing when she tries to be really brave, and she's like, well, they keep trying to kill me, but here I am, and then throws in a let's do it because she's like, Aww. Rachel would have said it if she were here, I and I need it. Me too. It was just really... She was, like, trying to channel all of the Animorphs into just herself, Aww, and I really liked it. Too. Yeah. <laughs> and then Mr. Tidwell says that he always liked Cassie better than Jake, who applies herself, <laughs> because Jake doesn't apply himself in school. He's not good enough for you. <laughs> I, I know. And Cassie's like, well, I still wish he were here. <laughs> you don't know him like I do. Yeah, so... Hey, man, he's a little busy. Why don't you cut yeah. him some slack, Mr. Tidwell? Yeah, <laughs> oh, Christ. But yeah. So anyways, she warns Mr. Tidwell that this is going to be gross. And she starts morphing Yerk. And um, yeah. Mr. Tidwell's like, I can handle it. But <laughs> he could at some point, he could not. <laughs> she basically morphs into a giant Yerk with her own eyes so still. fucking gross. So gross. Ew. And like... This is the the probably one of the most visceral morphing descriptions yeah. we have. Yeah, like it was so ew. It was so gross. It was like as she was morphing, she felt the slime like coat her throat and she couldn't breathe. And then she felt it like flowing through her insides and like surrounding her heart and then her heart like popped out of existence and she was just filled with slime. Ew. And then um the coolest one like the the coolest part of this 
was she was talking about how cold all the mucus and the slime was. And she said the coldness seeped into her bones and then her bones shattered on the inside and just everything turned into mucus. It was so cool. So good, but Uh, ew. So good. Um, And then the last thing she sees before her eyes disappear is Mr. Tidwell screaming. Yes, he could not. So she can't hear him, but yeah, he could not handle it. not ready for that jelly. No. Oh, God, no. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you're ready for this jelly. Okay, enough. (laughs) This is the worst. Why have I done this? Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> fuck you're thinking about justin McElroy again aren't you <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it's tears on my face <laughs> oh oh my god Help. okay well oh. get it together because it's about to get really Ow. fucking depressing okay, i just slide myself it's fine <laughs> Oh no, don't do no, that. It's fine, I do it. Sometimes if I'm zoning out when I'm driving, I just slap myself and it's fine. Oh, I do that too, like really hard across the yeah. face. It, it doesn't work for that long. Oh no. But still. Anyways. <laughs> um, so Cassie makes it to Yerk and she's trying to figure out the body um, and how, you know, everything works, basically. Uh, she tests out her like weird echolocation sort of deal. Um, but she's soon picked up by Mr. Tidwell, who holds her up to his ear, and, you know, the the Yerk instincts take over. Um, and so she starts to... Yeah. Before you get into that, um, mm-hmm. he put Ilum in a Ziploc bag full of water. Oh, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> and then just tucked him into his coat pocket. Like, <laughs> yes. this is good. Oh, so... <laughs> oh. Anyway... Yeah. That's gross. Yep, they just ziplock them into the bag. <sighs> so fucking weird. Yeah, it was weird. Um, okay, go on with the description because it's really gross and cool and amazing. It's yeah, it is. So um, Cassie starts tapping into Mr. Tidwell's brain, and as she's going through the ear canal, uh-huh. she's talking about secreting the numbing um, solution that they have, and also like piercing through flesh yeah. like this is the first time they've said that yeah she's like moving shit around and like oh god mm-hmm. yeah and like just really gross how does it not um, cause like permanent damage to at least the ear canal having a yerk go in and out of it every three days like how are you not just totally fucked in the ear by now. I don't know. Somebody just posted something in the past week or two on the Animorphs group asking how controllers don't have constant ear infections. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was gross. Yeah. It is gross. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But she's tapping into his brain. She can feel the sparks traveling across the surface of the brain, and um, she can feel as her yerk body becomes like paper thin and wraps itself into every crevice. Uh, yeah, it's gross. And then um, the worst part starts, and that is she starts flashing through all of his memories, and she can't control it right now. So. She sees the kitchen table and she kind of freezes because the color to her yerk senses is so 
overwhelming and incredible and being able to just sit and stare at this whole world is overwhelming um and then mr tidwell's trying to like kind of get it together be like okay like what are you doing we gotta go um and then that's when the memories start so she sees the kitchen table as it currently is and then she kind of flashes back a little bit and she sees mr tidwell at this disgusting table that's covered in trash and dirty plates and the sink is filled up and everything kind of smells like trash in his house and then he flashes back a little further and he sees him and his dead wife at the kitchen table and how they're having this flirty moment of like, you know, flicking soap suds at each other and and just having this moment together. Um, and then he remembers the night before he went to sleep and put a picture of his dead wife on the, the pillow fuck? next to his before bed. Ow. And yeah, and Cassie's horrified that she's seeing all of this and so she's finally able to stop it and get a little bit of control and to stop going through his memories um and then she slowly starts moving his body like one part at a time and at first she bangs into the table and mr tidwell makes a joke like it's fine i've always been a klutz and then i I know he's so sweet (laughs) sweet. sweet. (laughs) i love him too um and so they they slowly start getting it together and uh they go out to his car and drive to the McDonald's where they order a happy meal with extra happy and then continue on into the yerk pool. I super um, duper appreciate like the level of imagination that it took to write the experience of a human becoming a yerk, becoming another human. Like that's yes. so complex and like, ah, just so good. That was like, ex- yeah. that was, that whole like scene was super excellent. Yeah, it really was. And like, it really was a, a multi-stage scene where it was like going to Yerk, having the senses overwhelm you and then getting control, then infesting a human, having the senses overwhelm you and then having to learn how to be a human being a Yerk control. Like it, it really is this multi, like you go through every layer. There's no shortcut. We need to go deeper. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was really good. Yeah, though. it was so good. It was very good. It. And um, the other part of it that I really loved was uh, how Cassie. It was all overwhelming for her, and how Mister Tidwell, who has the experience with this, was trying to like make it easier for her, yeah. and like trying to be really gentle and calm, and like you know, I'm sure he's not happy that he has a student looking through the memories of him and his yeah. dead wife. Like it takes a lot of but... like trust and shit to let somebody mm-hmm. do that. Oh God. Yeah, and he never got, like, it never got to a point where he's like, stop looking at that or don't look at it. He was just like, you know, he waited until she got it together, and then he just, you know, he made little jokes to make it easier on her, and, like, it it was just really sweet. Oh, God, I love it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I felt so bad. Like, it was like watching the beginning sequence of Up with Mr. Tidwell. (gasps) Fuck yeah. Oh, no. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it was really sad. Yeah. I know. Fuck. Anyway, let's move on before I I cry. Okay. Um, they head down to the York pool (laughs) where there's, there's more moments of like, um, you know, Cassie trying to clear off his glasses and thinking about how weird it is to like be seeing through someone else's eyes like that. Mm -hmm. And like even her footsteps felt heavier, but 
She wishes that the footsteps were louder because as they descend into the yerk pool, they hear all of those horrifying noises oh. and the visuals and, um, you know, they, they hear the screaming and she, then she gets down to the, to the pool and sees the infestation pier. And worst of all, she hears a bunch of laughter and looks over and sees all these voluntary hosts surrounding a TV, watching some stupid TV God. show and laughing about God. it in this horrific place. Oh. Um, so they start walking down to the uh, pier where they, they drop the yerks into the pool. And in in the line for this pier is first a small boy who the yerk, as soon as it starts to come out of his ear, he starts kicking and like banging on the pier. And then he starts screaming for his mom. Oh my God. It's just all the hair on Mr. Tidwell's body just stood on end oh, with this kid screaming for his mom. It's a five-year-old. Like, what the actual yeah. fuck? It's a little kid. Um, and then next up, there's this businesswoman who says absolutely nothing. She doesn't make a noise, but her eyes just burn with hatred as she's mm. walking away from the pier. Um, and then there's a man who the yerk comes out of his ear and he stands up, but then he stumbles, which surprises the hork And so he's able to run a few steps and then they shoot him with the dragon beams and they don't kill him, but they injure him. So he's on the ground groaning with, like, burned flesh and, and his clothes burned through. And it's just horrible. Yeah. Um, and finally, it's Cassie and Mr. Tidwell's turn. So they get the bag with Ilum ready. And they kind of, like, I guess shoved it down his sleeve so that he could put his hands down towards the water and just have Ilum slide out so that they could get, you know, after after Ilum swam around for a while, he could reinfest Mr. Tidwell. Um, and then Cassie, of course, comes out of his ear and lands in the pool. Uh, once she's there, the yerk instincts kind of take over again, which it's really interesting. Like, they must have really strong instincts to be able to overwhelm Cassie like this so mm. many times. Um, because, as we know, Cassie's very good yeah. at this. So, it's interesting. Um, but she roils around with the yerks for a few minutes and then starts searching for Aftran. And she does eventually find the small box under the pier with a simple lock on it. And she could easily undo the lock if only she had any sort of hands and was not a yerk. So she's trying to figure out, like, what to do when all of a sudden a booming thought speech voice echoes through her head. And it is, of course, Visor 3 who's here for the interrogation and is inviting everybody over to witness what happens to traitors. Ugh. So, yeah. Um... Things move very fast from here. So, uh, Visor 3 starts, you know, screaming to everybody that he's going to show them what happens to traitors. The box starts getting pulled up with Aftran in it. And Cassie is just making split-second decisions at this point. So there's a woman who just got her head shoved under the reinfestation pier. And so Cassie swims up to that girl, shoves the yerk who is trying to get in out of the way, <laughs> and goes into her brain. <laughs> I get know. Get out the way, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> okay. No. no. Enough. No. <laughs> um, Cassie gets into that girl's brain and finds out that she's a collaborator. So Cassie cannot allow the host to know anything about her. So she's stonewalling as best she can because any information that gets through from Cassie to the host means that that will be known by Visor 3 because this this host will tell him whatever because she's on Team Yerk. Yep. Um, so... She takes control of the body without 
you know, making that a two-way street. And she uses the host body to go and tackle Visor 3, who's holding Aftran at this point. And Visor 3 is so shocked that somebody tackled him that he doesn't immediately <laughs> react and behead this girl. Um, so then Cassie, I guess, hits him again, or the host that Cassie's in hits him again and bites his wrist so he drops Aftran. At which point, Cassie grabs her and then just jumps back into the pool and starts swimming around in the pool. Um, Visor 3 immediately sends Taxons in after her, and then they start shooting Draken beams at the pool. So Cassie's like, they're killing their own people to try and get to me. Jeez. Um, yeah. Very quickly after that, a Taxon grabs the, the body's ankle, so Cassie just bails, gets out, and is like, they'll drag that host body back and whatever. Um, and once Cassie's back in the pool, she realizes I have to demorph to get out of here. I have no other options. So she swims to the bottom of the pool and like flattens herself out and starts to demorph down there. She surfaces only when she cannot hold her breath any longer. And as soon as she does, she hears Visitor 3 talking about how he's going to kill this host body as soon as he finds out everything that is going through the idiot's head, basically. Um, so she takes a breath and then starts going back to or, or is almost human and she's like i gotta go bird and she's like i can't do owl because if my feathers will get soaking wet in here and she's like okay got it osprey because they hunt fish so it'll be okay <laughs> so she starts to morph underwater without taking a breath Jesus. and she's like this is stupid but she has to stay hidden for as long as possible so she's morphing to osprey under the water and she is yelling at Aftran as soon as she can to get between her talons. And luckily, Aftran does, or somebody does. She hopes it's Aftran. <laughs> and Cassie starts to take off. Um, and as she flies out of the water, of course she's noticed. Everybody's standing around fucking watching this shit go on. <laughs> and Visor 3 has, at this point, realized that there's Andalites there because there was no Yurk inside of that host body. So he realized very quickly what had happened. Um, and he has morphed some giant tentacle beast <laughs> because he's Visor 3. Uh, he loves his tentacles. He loves his tentacles. <laughs> um, so yeah, Visor 3, as she as Cassie's trying to get any sort of air at this point to get out of that pool, um, he's reaching up and like tagging her with these tentacles. And she realizes as her wings start to go numb that there there's poison or something in the tentacles that every time he hits her, it's it's injecting a little bit of and making it harder for her to move and to fly and so on. So she summons up every bit of strength she has left. She thinks about Jake and Mr. Tidwell and Rachel and the, all of the team. And she just keeps flapping on her numb, decrepit wings out of there. <laughs> and there are Draken beams being fired at her. And Visitor 3 even makes a comment like, one of you idiots should hit something one of these days. <laughs> That's my favorite. That was my favorite Visitor 3 was- line. He was giving them a lot of shit. Like stormtrooper level bad. <laughs> oh my god, yes. And he knows it. He's like, are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> uh, Mandatory target practice so yeah. for everyone. Starting Monday. No kidding. That would be the smart yeah. move. Yep. But yeah, Cassie does manage to avoid the Draken beams. And she starts flying towards the top of the staircase to get out of there. And the, the best part for me is that as she's avoiding Visitor 3, like once she gets kind of above his tentacles, all of the freed humans start cheering Yay. in their cages and like cheering her on. And the controllers are like screaming. Like they're like, no! But I, I just love that all of these like caged people were just cheering for her. Like, yes, she did it. 
Um, so she keeps flapping for the stairs to get away from all of this, where she is intercepted by a hunter robot. And Cassie knows they have one weakness. It's that visual lens that they use to see out of. And so she's like, I have one shot at this. She takes as careful aim as she could and then sends poop flying at it. And she manages to nail it. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) She shits on it to get away. Um, And then she flaps up to that, that steel door at the top of the staircase, but she can't get out because she doesn't have any hands to open it. And, of course, the Gleep biofilter starts going off at this point. And it's warning, you know, that it's about to destroy anything that isn't Yerk or human, which, you know, great. Uh, And so she's, like, freaking out. And also there's the hork rushing up behind her. But luckily at this moment, someone was coming in and the door opens and there's this woman standing there. So Cassie just blows past this woman who swings her purse at her and I think manages to hit her somewhat. But Cassie just keeps going. She gets to the edge of the freezer where they're trying to slam the door. And Cassie just makes it out of the freezer and gets some tail feathers taken out by the door slamming. And then makes it into the restaurant where luckily there's some non-controllers. And they took pity on this poor scared bird that's trapped inside and opened the door for her. So, yay. She mentions, like, you know, the great thing about humans is they're not all shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so she does make it out of there um, and then goes flying back to the barn as fast as she possibly can. So she gets there. She tells Aftran, we'll get you in some waters, you know, in just a sec. And then she starts demorphing and she rushes in to see Axe, who is now fully out on his side panting. And Eric just simply says to her, he's in crisis. Um, so now Cassie has to do this surgery immediately. Otherwise, Axe will die. And so she's talking about, like, you know, she's so worried about him. She's worried about hurting him when she moves him. And Eric just picks him up effortlessly. And she's like, oh, well, that's good. <laughs> Forgot about Forgot that. Forgot man beast. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and Eric gets him into the surgery room. And Cassie goes, can you make a hologram to make it look like the room is empty just in case? And Eric's like, of course, no problem. And uh, Cassie starts to talk herself through how she's going to do the surgery step by step. And step one is make sure everything's clean. So she starts washing her hands, getting, you know, the gloves, getting, making sure her tools are cleaned. Um, and then she goes over to Axe and she has the scalpel and she's like, okay, now I have to make the incision, but she doesn't know where. Um, so she feels around his head and she can't find anywhere that would indicate where she should cut. Like there's no swelling, there's no bump, there's nothing like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and that's when she realizes Aftran is here. So she comes up with this insane plan. She goes and scoops up Aftran. And as she's bringing this Yerk back to Axe, Eric goes, this is brilliant unless this shit goes terribly wrong. Thanks, Eric. We didn't already know that. Thanks. Thanks, Eric. Um, Yeah. So Cassie's like, I know. And she holds Aftran up to Axe's ear and the Yerk instincts take over and Aftran starts to, to go into Axe's head. And after an agonizing minute or two, Aftran finally calls out to Cassie. And Cassie tells her the situation and says, my friend's going to die unless we can figure out where this gland is and save him right now. And Aftran goes, okay, got it. And tells her it's right at the back of his head, the bottom of his ears, directly in between the two. And it's right in there. And uh, then Aftran does something with, with 
her yerk senses and reaches out further and is actually able to like feel the gland and how swollen and hot it is and just how bad things are going. Mm-hmm. And I think it's at that moment that Aftran realizes that like if something happens to Axe, like the gland ex- explodes while she's in there, that she could die too. But she just keeps going. Um, so with Aftran inside Axe's head and Eric's assistance, they begin the surgery and Cassie cuts away a flap of skin at the back of the skull and tapes it up. And she has Eric helping her to mop up the blood and to mop up her for so she doesn't sweat into this open wound. Um, and as she tapes it out of the way, she then takes the saw that she got to cut a small hole in the base of his skull. And after they remove that chunk of skull, they can see that gland and it is throbbing. So she knows exactly which one it is because it's so obvious when she gets in there. She's worried if she touches it, it'll burst and kill him. So ever so carefully, she takes the scalpel and just cuts below it to free it and to just kind of carve it out of there. And she's able to get it out of his skull and throw it into surgical pan that I'm assuming she has. Um, (laughs) And then she continues to start to patch him up. She replaces the skull fragment and she starts to do, you know, starts messing with the skin flaps. And then Aftran reports that his heart rates are going down, his blood pressure's coming up, he's he's doing really well. And as Cassie's starting to like, you know, finish and talk about how she's gonna, you know, stitch everything up, she's she's working on the the final steps of the surgery. Eric starts telling her that's the coolest thing he's ever seen. And then Aftran goes, Axe is starting to wake up, and he's screaming. And Cassie reacts. She's like, oh, my God, what did I do? Did I hurt him? Did I did I cut? Like, can he feel this? And Aftran's like, no, no, no. He's screaming because he's infested by a yerk. No. And, <laughs> yeah, it's horrifying. Oh, no. um, so Aftran just goes, I'm getting out of here right now. And as she exit Axe's ear, Cassie is able to snag her and she just puts her in the sink with some water. So Aftran's good. And Axe is like bucking and trembling on this table. And Cassie has to grab him and says, you need to lay still so I can stitch you up. And he complies, but he is just like spewing hatred about like your filth and all this sort of stuff. I know. Oh, it's so harsh. I know. It is so harsh, but like it's that... Like, what Cassie points out next, that, you know, his brother was killed by the Yerks, and he's been fighting the Yerks, and he only has known them as an evil force for almost his entire life, and Cassie just now is saying, you know, that Yerk just saved your life, but also almost gave up her own life to save everybody, so, you know, you you have to think about that. But she also acknowledges that it's not a conversation they can have right now while she's stitching up Axe's right. head, and he's still yeah. sick, and, like... She's hoping she's just kind of planted the seeds for him for later. Um, I was like, I hope he doesn't hold a grudge against Cassie for this. (laughs) I know, right? Uh, So, um, yeah, it's just just bad. Um, But once he's stitched up, um, Axe seems okay. And she asks Eric to take him back into the stall and to, to let him rest. And then she asks if Eric can stay and keep up the hologram for a few more days. And Eric's like, oh, of course. Like, I helped build the pyramids a few days. It's nothing. (laughs) Fucking Eric the name dropper here. (laughs) Um, And then Cassie is, like, thinking about just how grateful she is for what Aftran just did for her and what she had done with the Yerk Peace Movement. 
So Cassie grabs Aftran out of the sink and lets Aftran go into her ear so that they can talk. Um, after Cassie expresses how thankful she is to Aftran for everything, um, Aftran goes like, yeah, of course, um, but I need you to do something for me. I need you to kill me. And Cassie's like, no. And she keeps trying to come up with ways to save her. She's like, you can stay in me. You can infest me. And Aftran's like, no, no, no. We have like, I still have to go back to the York pool every three days. It's too risky. And if you get caught, you know, we lose everything. And she goes, all I want is to not die from, from Kendrona starvation. It's a painful death. And Cassie is desperate to save her. And so finally Aftran says to her, it's not so bad to die for what you believe in. There are much worse deaths, Aww. many worse deaths. Aww. Oh, so I sad. knew Cassie was going <laughs> to offer to have Aftran stay in her, though. I know. <sighs> I know. Well, then we cut to a few days later. The Animorphs are all walking together to the beach, arguing over who had been the most sick. <laughs> and... Uh, they are all giving each other shit about how bad it was. <laughs> and Axe is probably the winner because he goes, I had to have a yerk in my head before I got better. And they're like, okay. Um, and then Jake asked Cassie, is this where Aftern said to meet? And Cassie's like, yep. So uh, she was talking about how she is headed out to deeper water, but wanted to say goodbye before she left. And um, that's when they tell us that after Aftran was rescued and after Cassie had had this conversation with her, they were able to, to meet up for a very short meeting. And Jake came up with the idea of using the blue box to allow Aftran to morph, but the caveat was that she had to choose one morph to stay in forever. And uh, at that moment, Tobias points out that he can see Aftran and tells everybody else like where to look. And as they look out onto the ocean, they see a humpback whale breaching. And Cassie says that this should be the picture in the dictionary under joy. Um, so Aftran will live out the rest of her life as a humpback Yay. whale. Yay. Um, Rachel wonders if Aftran will miss the fight, but Jake simply says her part is done. And then Cassie starts quietly contemplating, and she notices that Jake's staring at her. So... Um, she kind of acknowledges him and he asks her what she's thinking and she goes nothing profound just that sometimes we win one and Jake says yeah and this time Cassie you won one we won one and that's the end of the book yay so good this I love this book so much such a good book I am a little bit confused though about the mm-hmm. the sickness and getting down with it. Um, yeah. So I understand that the humans had it to a lesser degree than Axe. Um, yeah. But is it was it an airborne sort of thing? It sounded like germs because all of the the germs and stuff were were building in that gland. That was the problem. Is that it was like filling with like pus and and disease yeah but like in terms of like transferring it to the other kids like oh uh i don't know probably it was probably like well if it was like the flu then it was probably like um yeah like airborne or fluid like contact kind of disease Mm -hmm. also also why didn't cassie get sick Mm -hmm. she was the only one because she's a good farm girl that has all the bacteria (laughs) she's taking all the vaccinations 
Well, basically, I mean, that was how they they figured it out, right? Is people that milked cows were the ones that didn't get sick because they got, you know, the the whatever's on the diseased cow udders into open wounds on their hands that built up antibodies. And that's how they're like, oh, my God, we could do vaccines. So, like, Cassie is, like, <laughs> patient zero farm girl kind of. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm down with that. That was that was my explanation anyways. Okay. I'm into it. <sighs> Perfect. Plus, she's already probably had extra vaccinations for dealing with all of the animals yeah. like with for rabies and things yeah. like that so she's probably very well protected i like it um so the other question i had was mm-hmm. who wrote this book because i honestly couldn't tell um and especially since the last book i thought wasn't ghostwritten but it was and it convinced me um mm-hmm. Yeah, I was having a hard time telling. I thought maybe in the beginning it was ghostwritten, but near the end I thought it wasn't. So, what is the answer? It was ghostwritten. Okay. It was ghostwritten by Melinda Metz. Metz. M-E-T-Z. Metz. Okay. Melinda Metz. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but um, it was extremely well done. It was. (laughs) Yeah. I, in fact, I probably one of my favorite Cassie books, if not my favorite Cassie book so far. Absolutely, yes, I agree. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she nailed it. Because, <laughs> like, here's the other thing. I was trying to figure out kind of like why some books were given to ghostwriters and others weren't. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so we had the the Marco book with the polar bears, like. That one was not, that one was more of a one-off adventure sort of situation. And then the next book with um, the Howlers, that was more of like a plot, like like part of the overall plot of the series type of book. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, are we giving like the, the big plot books to Applegate? And then we're giving kind of the one-off adventure sort of character build-up books to Ghostwriters? And so... No, so... Do- Sorry. <laughs> Continue. Oh, I was just going to say that, like, this one felt like a bigger book. Mm-hmm. But it totally had to do with her writing schedule. It has nothing to okay. do with what's in the Animorphs books. It okay. was when they needed her to work on another series. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. So it's it's not having to do with the plot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, yup. But yeah, this was such a good book. <laughs> it yeah, it was so good. I really, I really enjoy this one, mm-hmm. and I knew it was coming up. Um, so when I I figured out which one was next, uh, when we were reading the last book, I was super excited for this one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, some very good books. Hmm. Hmm. And it was down with the sickness. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh. All right. Should we talk about character ratings? Let us do this. All right. What did you think of Jake? Again, he was just kind of there. He was out of it for most of the book. Um, he dances like a lumberjack, though. He does. And that was cute. <laughs> I don't know. Three. 
Okay, I'm going to give him a four because I the parts that he was actually like around for and part of it, I really liked him. Um, and I thought it was a really awesome moment of growth and trust for him to let Aftran become morph capable. Yeah. Um, even momentarily, I think that that was a big moment for Jake. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Yeah, he wasn't there a ton. So he gets a four out of five. Mm -hmm. Okay. What about Rachel? Hmm. I mean, Rachel was out of it for most of the book as well. But she Mm -hmm. was a really good friend and wing person in the very beginning with the dance stuff. So I super appreciated that. Yeah. Um. So I will give her a four. I'm giving her a five. (laughs) (laughs) Because she's my favorite and I am a horrible person. (laughs) We have no rules. (laughs) God damn it, I'll do what I want. Yep. Uh, What about Tobias? Hmm. He was around the second longest out of anybody in the book. That's true. Oh, and he got so mad being in the cage. He bit the bars. <laughs> he bit them. His little he beak. So mad. And oh. Cassie said she was done with his crap and swore at him. <laughs> uh, I would give him a five. Me too. Because he also came up with the eel plan, which didn't really pan out in the end. But usually, yeah. it's it's Cassie to come up with the what is the perfect animal for this plan. Yeah, And he took the reins this time. He did, and he also steals those eels, but then we decided pays them back. So for our our fan fiction within a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Andalite, Bandalite. Somebody's got to write that fan fiction. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, What about Axe, who is in almost none of this book? Oh, no. I felt so bad for him. Mm-hmm. He was he was very delightful when he was he was screaming he was. about his body, <laughs> and I did like how he was so concerned with paying Eric back one million and seven dollars, and was like, "But how much money is that? <laughs> is that a lot? <laughs> it's up uh, there. What do you mean? I don't see it." <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, I do see it." So, yeah, so he was great. Yeah. He was great when he was in this book. I love it. But him. he wasn't in a lot, so. But I'm giving him a five anyway, because he was sick. Okay, I'll give him a four just to offset your five. Okay. <laughs> and because I think I've given everybody extremely high ratings in this book. God. <laughs> uh, all right, what about Cassie? Five. She, like, yeah, fucking five. killed it in this book. She did. She's so good in this book. Oh, I just, I loved Definite all five. of her inner turmoil, but I love how it didn't, like, consume her or keep her from doing what she needed to do. And, like, I wasn't, like, in 19, I was like, what are you doing trusting the Yorks? Are you crazy? Are you stupid? But in this one, she's like, I got this. And, and she mm-hmm. did got it, so... She did. And I also liked that she had those moments where she was contemplating, like, 
even letting Aftran go, did I do the right thing? Mm-hmm. But then there there was a moment where she was like, "Do I? Can I trust Mister Tidwell and Ilum? And you know, can are they telling the truth basically?" And she was like, "I choose to believe them. Like I can still choose to do the good thing and put the crazy, reckless hope." in this alliance mm-hmm. and i love that she still chose that even though i was screaming at it at her for it in book 19 like yeah. you fucking idiot i love that she still will choose that yeah so especially because i wouldn't i'd be like <laughs> you're lying <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> yeah so she gets a five okay what about marco uh, hmm. I don't know. Again, not not super in this book, but I did enjoy him when he was. Mm-hmm. So, guess a four. Okay, I was gonna give him a three just because, yeah, he was here, but you know, <laughs> he was around. He was, he was around. He was Marco. He made some great comments. Some, he tried to entice Rachel to go to the dance with him which didn't work but was entertaining (laughs) so yeah yeah yep cool cool we did it yay any other thoughts about this book um I think so yeah it's I, I mean it's hard to to talk about like a lot of extra stuff around this because there's so many big moments in this book and uh i think aftran's message at the end there of like dying for what you believe in isn't a bad death is an interesting like i think that that'll come to bear on other thoughts that they have and like other like ways that they view other choices in the books Mm -hmm. even if it's not directly said yeah (sighs) i like it Give me warm, fuzzy feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it started with the dance. That was so adorable. I definitely thought the dance was going to be at the end of the book, and that was going to be the last scene. Yeah. I thought so, too. But then it wasn't. Yeah. Oh, well. I think it's probably because... No, I don't think we watched that episode. But there's an episode of the TV show that includes a dance, and it follows that format of adventure first, dance at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that seems, yeah. It's like Stranger Things as well, because the last scene in the season two. Oops. Hmm. We take that out. Take that out. Okay, sorry. It's a spoiler. Sorry, Marisa. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Oh, no. I can't confirm or deny because I know nothing don't be sorry it didn't spoil a single thing for me i mean yeah okay (laughs) cool Uh, cool well audience friends if you guys have any last thoughts or memories that you want to send to us that i can't help but read you can (laughs) send those to anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook at uh, Animorphs Anonymous is our main group, or our super secret, super awesome group is the Andalite Bandalites, and that's facebook.com slash group slash Animorphs Anonymous. And we also have an Insta Slam at Animorphs Anonymous and a Tweetor at Animorphs Anon. Yay! 
And if you want to listen to our podcast somewhere where you're not listening to it right now, we are on <laughs> all the various podcast sites, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, Spotify, and more. Nice. So many more. Tell me about your comic. I have a webcomic. Me, Casey, that's me. Hello, how you doing? Uh, my webcomic is called Beside You. It's a, it's a nice little romance music comic. And uh, you can find that at besideyoucomic.com. That's B-S-I-D-E-Y-O-U comic.com. And check it out. I make it with my hands. Yes. And especially if you liked this book and have an interest in teachers that seem really hard ass, but maybe have a nice gooey center, I think that <laughs> the comic will really speak to you. <laughs> God, I've been, I've been watching Gilmore Girls recently, and mm-hmm. there's a character on Gilmore Girls named Luke, and he runs a diner, and he's very grumpy, and I'm like, that guy is Slater. <laughs> like, straight up the same person perfect Ugh. i like it i love him and i'm rooting for him good i want you to yay <laughs> why do we always talk about slater like that's because <laughs> he's my favorite character and i want to talk about the things that i'm interested in for hours <laughs> oh, oh jesus uh, yeah he's he's my favorite character by far i I just appreciate his constant, like, just disapproval of everything happening. <laughs> and he, like, so I, this is going to get weirdly, weirdly nostalgic. But um, when I was in high school, I had a teacher that, that used to teach at the college level. And then he ended up losing that job somehow and had to come down to, like, he was looking for jobs anywhere and started applying at high school. So he wound up working at ours. And he legitimately said... During the meeting, they asked him a question about, like, you know, how do you, like, help the students learn or blah, blah, blah. And he literally said, if they don't want to learn, then they're not going to learn. I can't force them, but I'll fucking tell them shit. And if they want to listen, then it'll work out for them. And they were like, (laughs) okay. And, like, so he was, like, the grumpiest teacher. And so many people, when they found out I had his class, were like, oh, my God, I hate that guy. He's such a dick. Um. And then after taking his class, it turned out that he just, like, didn't put up with anyone's shit, but was really interested in in helping you and telling you, like, hey, listen, in college, nobody gives a shit if you don't turn in the paper, but you'll fucking fail. So here, like, you take the responsibility on yourself. Same thing in my class. If you don't turn a paper in, I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to call your fucking parents. You're just going to fail. So either become responsible or get the fuck out. And, like... I just, I loved that. Like, I I just, I connected with that teacher and I loved it. And I think I see that in Slater a lot where, Uh like, they walk in and he's just like, I don't give a fuck what you do here. Like, this is a bullshit class. It's not going to mean anything to you in a Uh few years. So, so I just really, I liked it a lot. Yeah. I freaking love that. Yeah, so that was my thing. That's also why I really liked Mr. Tidwell, who they're like, he's a hard ass. And then you find out, like, all this shit. Like, I don't know. I just, that I really like that that kind of character. I really relate to it. Yay! Yeah. <gasps> so, that's my story. I freaking love that. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, should we get out of here before we bore our poor fans with any more stories about my high school? That would never happen. You have the most interesting (laughs) and best stories of all of the time. 
That is untrue, but I appreciate the sentiment. But if we leave now, <laughs> then we can put the intro music in and then not have to edit anything. Oh, God, shit. Okay, you're right. Let's get out of here. All right, see you next time, let's, everybody. Let's, let's get up and get down with the sickness. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one, one last one. One last one. You first. Okay. <laughs> I think that was my best one. Nice. Okay, bye. Okay. Bye.